foundation, I don't know. It takes a little more than what you show, and that's yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Welcome to Bobby Finn Knows Everyone, part of the Pull Tab Sports family. Down at the Hockey Expo, Let's Play Hockey Expo at the Boys State Tournament. Uh, along with me, uh, my co-host, Tom Lord. How are you, Tommy? Hey, thanks for having me today, Bobby. You Excited say that to be here. <laughs> <laughs> also with us, our guest today is David Lavake from the Starting Tribune. How are you, Dave? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Good. Yeah. Exciting to have you. We got Mr. You're like, you didn't play. Uh, you weren't Mr. Hockey, I should say, but you are Mr. Hockey in terms of knowing everything about the state tournament. Well, I'm half a historian because I, I was the co-author of this book, so I'm, I'm only half a historian, but I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, that's great. So David's got a book out there. Everybody's got to go check it out. It's called Tourney Time. It's all about the high school hockey tournament. If you are into the high school hockey tournament, if you're into boys hockey, if you're into girls hockey, like you got to check this book out because uh, it's got everything you'd ever want to know about the high school hockey tournament here in Minnesota. I think our prized possession. Do you think? I think as a, a Minnesota sports fan, that's, it's our thing, right? That's the Bible. It really is. Yeah, that's the history. That's one of the greatest things about hockey. The just the everybody's loved it for 70 years, you know, or 70, how long now? 76, 70, 77. The 75th man. tournament was 2019, so we're... 78, 70, yeah. yeah, somewhere 78, 79. We don't do math here on the Bobby right. Finn Knows Everyone podcast, so... <laughs> I failed freshman algebra, I can't help either. <laughs> well, you are a St. Paul guy. <laughs> you're a writer. Yeah, you're a writer. Yeah, right? But uh, no, it's uh, it's got to be, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it will be on my uh, coffee table at some point, yeah. not just uh, protecting it. So, David, what do you think makes our tournament here just like the crown jewel of Minnesota sports? I was asked about the book, uh, what, what, what's the same throughout the years? Because it's been at different venues. The equipment, of course, is strikingly different now than it used to be. And the teams come and go and they change and so on. But I said that the common bond is the passion. It was always very important to the kids that were playing in the tournament and representing their communities and playing with their buddies and honoring their parents and their coaches and giving their best. And that's, I think, why the, the tournament endures is because it's, it's the best of really athletics being played out in, in hockey. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, that's never changed over these many years and in these many places and so on and so on. So that's, that's the best part about it, and, and people respond to that, and they, they like to be part of that, and that's why this tournament is really like a holiday. I mean, I went down today walking the concourse, and I ran into people that I haven't seen in a year that I, I am always excited to see because it's the tournament, and they are always here. And then I saw people who I would never have guessed I would have run into, so it, it just makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, people are coming from everywhere, right? I mean, this is kind of a destination weekend for, for a lot of people. It's funny when... I talk to people that really don't know what's going on in our industry from my regular job is uh, they're like, how do you sell out a high school event like that? But really, I mean, those, those tickets are the biggest thing, right? They're passed down from generation to generation. And it's really difficult to get a ticket these days. It is. They say that when you know you, people get older in Minnesota, the, the big debate is, all right, who gets the cabin and who gets the hockey tickets? <laughs> I like that. He has a lot of truth in that, isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Um, so let me ask you, the, the book, you get a lot of stories, you got a lot of, um, you got, of course, a lot of information in it, but you got a lot of stories too about uh, things that happened 
um, while these teams are playing in the tourney. Do you have a, any favorites that stick out? I have I have one that I I remember, but I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Well, let's start with yours. What? Because I, uh, like, I could give you some what we have on that chapter. And, the '96 Apple Valley. Oh, okay. Uh, Duluth East <laughs> game and uh, the story you talked about with the referee. Yes, yeah, that that <laughs> chapter opened because this game is the game really and it's been well chronicled and well documented and so the challenge when you got closer to the modern era is okay how do we how do we tell this joke differently what's our setup going to be i have a friend of mine who's a hockey official and he said that when they officials get together uh that that the uh, rick larson always starts you get a couple of pops in him and he starts talking about the 96 tournament and how he was one of the linesmen in that uh, game. And he gets home. He lived in Egan at the time. And, and after the game ended at 1.39, I think it was, in the morning, he had to drive back home to Egan. And he said uh, when, he, when he got on the pulled into the garage, he's attached garage, and he's going to get out of the car, and he's, he couldn't get his legs to work they, <laughs> because he cramped up so bad. From and five so, overtime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he – he, he crawls out of the vehicle, sort of like watching Leo crawl into his Lamborghini in, in uh, Wolf, of Wall, Wolf of Wall Street. Thank you. And he kind of makes his way, kind of slithers up the stairs, and he, he crawls into bed, and he says, okay, good. Because he got two young daughters at the time, and, of course, his wife. I didn't wake anybody up. This is good. He's like, okay, now he's going to lay down and go to sleep. And his wife stirs and looks over at the clock and then looks over at him and says, I thought I told you not to go to the bar after the game. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out she had turned the game off after the first period. So she had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) She just thought he went out late into the night. Exactly. And I'm sure on some nights she would have been right. She didn't just pull that uh, alibi out of a hat. But Uh yeah, uh, Rick was totally doing everything by the book and and that that game just kept him out late and that it was i thought well i'm i'm sitting there laughing hysterically as he's telling me this story over at the Gidios down the street here and i said okay this story is as good as i hoped it would be we have the beginning of this chapter yeah right that's not my favorite one because awesome. we were at grandma's and seven corners there and the damn game kept going and the bar was closed so they kicked us out so we didn't even get to watch the end you know, I'm actually glad you said that because somewhere along the way, I didn't put it in the book, but somebody said, yeah, I, th- I heard that they made a, a, an exception for the local bars to stay open later. And I thought, yeah, I don't think that. No, we got the boot. So now that clears that up for sure. Yeah. So good. I'm yeah. glad I didn't put it in the book. We got the boot. Not grandma's. Yeah. Well, there was a Jefferson game though back, God, it had to be in the late, mid 80s that went to the next day. Yeah, they that was, stopped that was playing 1985. it. 1985. That is the first and last time that it, a game got postponed until the uh, until the next day. You and think they'll right. just keep? Yeah, they picked it up the next day. Yeah, like, all right, everybody, just take I a think break. It ended right away too in them, like when they started to back up. But I, I, I mean, you got to think they would do that at some point again. And you think they're going to play till two, three in the morning if they go more than five? I think they will, as long as it's the last. the The, the key is, is it the last game of the day? Of the day? Yeah, mm-hmm. because. I'll tell you what they, this, this, this postponement, it almost happened again in 2019 because in the Friday semifinal, the second game of the morning session, the single A session, that was, um, I believe Greenway and Matamidi went to multiple overtimes and that was in danger of them pulling the plug until the next day. And then later that evening, uh, that same thing happened in the first game of the evening session with Eden Prairie and Lakeville South. 
So you could have very realistically had two semifinals get pushed to Saturday morning. Wow. Then they would have had to turn around and the winners would have to play again yeah. Saturday for the championship. So not a good contingency plan that is, is that's available. So let's hope that that doesn't have to get invoked because it really would be kind of a disaster. Do you think the Minnesota State High School League would allow them to play on Sundays if they ever did that? I know now that that church is still running the that, state that, that yeah. well, you know, you do wonder what with that, what that's all about exactly. But I, I that would be a pretty good reason or this uh, sort of this signaling that they're that they have their uh, youth sports sort of in check and they're not going to be crazy about it. Like like a lot of the youth programs get into with their tournaments. Oh, yeah, it's insane. I mean, they don't even give a crap what what time they start on a Thursday, Friday yeah. You're up in Moorhead yeah. for an 8 o'clock game yeah. on a Friday morning. School is secondary yeah, with right. those tournaments. And all the parents, they they all, oh, this is stupid. And somebody should do something. And they never do. They never do. They're, they're off to that tournament. So. Yeah. Uh, so how about um, all the games that you've written about? First of all, let me ask you this. How did you get the idea for the book? And how did you, uh, you know, get into it? Because obviously it's an incredible event, but I haven't seen a book about it. And I don't, I, you know, I know you're a, obviously a, a writer and you cover hockey for the Star Tribune, but how'd you, uh, how'd you get it started? Well, I wanted to deliver the book you just said didn't exist. And I had a, somebody in mind to write it with Lauren Nelson, who's over at the X right now covering the tournament. And I, he had done a series that was just on the website of the mnhockeyhub.com where he did the 100 best high school players in history. And he wrote a feature uh, on each of those players every day because he'd spend all his time with the interviews and, and getting all the information together. And then for 100 days in a row, he wrote a, a different feature. He said, I'll never do that again. But he was looking for another challenge. And I said, well, I'd like to do this book, but I'd like to do it in the way that that the NFL Network does the America's Game series where they go inside the Super Bowl winner from the given year and you hear some fun stories and anecdotes. And then you also, yes, you'll hear a little bit about who threw what pass and what the touchdown, but who are the people? What was it all about? You know, what was the experience like? And that's the book I want to deliver. And I said, Lauren, I'd love to have you part of it. And Lauren took about eight seconds and said, yep, I'm in. <laughs> so, and then we got to it and it took uh, just shy of three years. Wow. Four, combined 400 interviews. We pulled uh, more than 200 photos, most of them from the Minnesota Historical Society. And that was, a, we got a big help there from vintage uh, mnhockey.com's Kyle Owen. He was an absolute gangster when it came to getting in there and scanning photos and, and getting all these wonderful images that, you know, it's some that we haven't seen in forever and some that never saw the light of day. So all of those elements help make the book the, the special thing it turned out to be. That's awesome. So as you've written a lot about the various teams and people, uh, do you got a, you know, a top couple players that, um, that you think go down as the greatest for the tourney? Well, John Masich just got to be at the top of that list. I mean, the guy didn't lose a game in high school. He's still got all the meaningful scoring records. And, and more than all of that, he's just, when you hang around with him, it, it, you just don't want to leave and go back home because he's such a gentleman. And you just, he has this light about him. And he's just, you can tell if he didn't know he played hockey, you could tell whatever he did in his, in his work life, he was good at it. He's just the guy he is. So it was very, it was very enjoyable to have another reason to go uh, sit with him and, and pick his brain and share some hear some stories. That was cool last year when Alex Bump, uh, that kid from Prior Lake, I think yeah. it was. Uh, he he, he uh, 
Mazich came down, shook his hand, and they had a little exchange. I thought that was pretty dang cool. Yeah, and I, Alex, if he didn't appreciate it last year, in 10 years he's really going to appreciate it yeah. because that's a special thing that not a lot of people get to, to say they took part in. And, and Mazich is, again, just a class guy. So he stands out. He, he was great. I think more from the modern era, I got to give a nod to Johnny Pohl of Red Wing because – I mean, we had seen Rochester win the, the single-class tournament in 77, so we Southern Minnesota represented itself very well there. But then in 97, Johnny gets there with Red Wing and leads them to a, a championship. And I thought that that really helped legitimize the, the class single-A because first we had the two tiers, which we don't want to talk about the two right. tiers. That was a disaster. <laughs> but then the class system began as we know it in 1994, and it was still – it really hadn't found its niche and what it, what its purpose was. And I think with with Johnny Pohl and Red Wing, I thought that's a team that really solidified. That's why you need this tournament for a community like that. They're not going to compete. And he says it in the book. We weren't going to compete with Wyzetta and Eden Prairie, but we had a good team, and, and that gave us an opportunity to show that off on the on the state tournament stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got uh, – we befriended some families. Uh, this is back when my daughter was about eight years old, and, and they're from Laverne. And they, I mean, they live and die hockey down there, but they can, they're never going to compete when they come up here with the, even the bigger class A schools. Right. And unfortunately they've drawn some bad ones the last few years, but they got here, they get to be a part of it. And that's, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. It's not about who wins the tournament or who brings home third place. It's about that tournament set off eight big celebrations around the state at during the week of section finals that's what it's about it, it, if you get more when you get to the state tournament that's a great bonus but you did you did galvanize the community with a, a, a trip to state and that's being able to have eight more teams get to experience that and get to share in that that's what it's about yeah that's it's a it's a great story for sure speaking of that um 96 duluth east apple valley game was dave spihar on that he was yeah, he was yeah. a senior that year did he have i think i read he had three hat tricks in the state tournament, is that? I think that was right. That? I think you're right. Well, he had three hat tricks in 95 Okay. when he was a junior, and then they come back in 96, and he has four goals in the quarterfinals. So it's like, oh, my God, he's somehow even better. <laughs> and so he gets Apple Valley in the semifinals and uh, did not score a goal. Okay. Did not that, score a goal. That, uh, who was the goaltender for Apple Valley? He was incredible. Didn't Carl Gehring. Yeah. Wow. Look at you guys. You yeah. just got that. He was unbelievable. Went on to win a national championship in North Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. He wow. was great. They've All five foot six of them. Five six? Yeah. Wow. He's not a big boy. But wow. he played like a, he had a heart of a lion. Uh, so I have to guess he didn't have the butterfly style going back then. I Probably not. It'd give a lot of net to shoot <laughs> right. at. Yeah. A ton of net. Yeah. He had the, uh, the flop. Style the the uh, Dominic Hasek just kind of up, yeah, all the, over the place. Dominator. The, all uh, I know is it worked. Whatever he did, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> the Denny Lemieux from the Charleston Chiefs. Oh, he kind of was. He wasn't a butterfly goal either, was he? Oh, he was no. kind of all over the place. Well, those pads back in the day weighed about fifty pounds each. <laughs> Horse I don't hair. know if they were still that heavy when he played, but uh, no, it was good. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. Um, oh, there's the, there's a little big man right there. Got a nice photo oh, of him doing a little fantastic. stretching before the game. Yeah. Yeah, right well, he needed book. to stretch out because he he played two and a half games. I know it was great, <laughs> and he and he didn't. He wasn't doing well with it. He was the, the the pressure of the situation was stressing him the hell out, and we talk about that in the book a little bit. He, really? Yeah, yeah. He had to have his goalie coach come in there and 
and uh, you know, be do what the adult in the room is supposed to do and kind of talk the young man off the ledge and make sure he could get out there and keep doing his thing. Good for him because he did a, I mean, it didn't show. So good nope. for him to keep it in and just go back out there and play. Yeah, it takes a lot of guts. Let's take a minute real quick to thank our sponsors. Um, first of all, I want to talk about Jimmy salad dressings and dips because uh, it's chunky blue cheese season. And that means uh, Jimmy's has got that salad dressing that's got the plunk, chunky blue cheese in it. Um, it's great on salads. It's great on buffalo wings. It's great on sandwiches. You can even mix it with a little French, uh, like all of us good Midwesterners do, um, and kind of say, hey, I watch the state tournament, and I mix my chunky blue cheese with French. It all comes from Jimmy's, and you want to do that because Jimmy's a local company. Uh, they're sold at Cub Foods. They are sold... Um, all of your at your local stores that you like to go to so check them out you know what they say what do they say at jimmy's don't you be messing with the dressing <laughs> <laughs> the other one i want to talk about is joe mama salsa um the high school hockey tournament reminds me of joe mama salsa because i know the owner and uh he's he's a college grove guy and that's what i was a college grove hockey player so check out joe mama's they're another local company um, they have incredible salsas uh, that you're going to love. They start a little bit uh, sweet and they end up a little bit hot. It's a, it takes your mouth on a flavor wave, so you want to check that out. And uh, the other thing that's great about Joe Mama's is they are there to help sponsor your, uh, your team. So what you do is just like you sell pizzas, instead you sell salsas because they take up less shelf space. They give you almost half of your money back to your team. Um, and they don't keep all your freezer space, so you can't go to Costco and, and buy food. You got the Joe Mamas, you put it on the shelf, and the next thing you know is uh, you're getting money back for your team. So check them out. Uh, go to Joe Mamas uh, Fundraising and see how you can support your team. And it doesn't matter. It's not just hockey, even though they are the official salsa of hockey. They are also there to support your softball team, your lacrosse team, your basketball team, your baseball team. You name it. That's Joe Mamas. Um, you also find them at Cub Foods. Yeah, and you know, can't be uh, can't be the hockey tournament without the all hair, the hair uh, product. That's right. Get some Duke Cannon Serious Flow and uh, go put out the vibe, right, Coop? Go put out the vibe. Let the ladies check that stuff out. But guarantee every one of those kids in the all hockey hair team is rocking the Serious Flow. They will be going home with a hockey puck of Serious Flow. There's no doubt about that. But you can get uh, Serious Flow Duke Cannon products at Target or DukeCannon.com. Put in pull tab 10 for a 10% discount. Awesome. Uh, David, back with you here. Uh, so David's got the book out. Uh, if we haven't talked about it enough already, you got to go check it out for yourself. Uh, it's called Tourney Time. And uh, there's a lot of great info in it. Grant Bessie, I just saw you flip the page on Grant Bessie. He's, he had quite a tourney, too. And I remember like people talking about him as much as they talked about anybody. Uh, he ended up playing at Wisconsin. I remember he had a good, successful career. He was a straight-up stud for Benilde. He was, and that was the year that Jack Jablonski had suffered his paralyzing injury. So that 2012 tournament brought a lot of eyes just from people that were interested in the tournament, but also interested in the Jack Jablonski story. And that was a, a very difficult stage in a lot of ways for the Benilde St. Margaret's players to, to play on. And they just came through it beautifully. And in the championship game, uh, Grant Bessie, five goals, three of them shorthanded. Absolutely outstanding that evening. He was wow. he was great. That's one of the all-time performances that you'll see in, in a state tournament, and it, it belonged to Grand Bessie. Wow. Who were your favorite players? Not, who were your favorite throughout the years? 
Well, I was always partial to when I grew up, to, went to St. Paul Johnson. and Don't, I, don't fight him, Bobby. Bobby's a Harding guy. Let's go. <laughs> Take it easy. Well, Johnson's the, the pride of the East Side, and then we got Harding. And <laughs> <laughs> I got to take that at so this point. <laughs> I grew up, you know, the 19, 1991 was the final single-class tournament. It was the my freshman year at Johnson, and our, our hockey team went to state that year. And those were the guys I looked up to because I thought, well, it doesn't Hackman get any better Rabba than that. And those boys. Yeah. Yep. Those yep, are yep, guys. Bauer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that, those are the guys I thought that's, that's the coolest. And then after that, you, you start to pay attention to the Jefferson dynasty. And that was, that was just giving, getting revved up at that time. So those were the guys I, more, it was more about teams for me than players. I was always partial my, my playground on, in, on the east side of St. Paul, where I played baseball and hockey. It was a black and gold Arlington playground. Arlington, ever, yes. yeah, okay. oh, yeah, yeah. Always wore black and gold. So I was really partial in the eighties when I was a kid watching it, it was war road. It was, it was uh, Burnsville. Those were teams that, that looked like us as far as the colors. And so mm-hmm. I was always partial to them. And, and the success that they were having at the time with those colors. So that's what I remember more than anything. Maybe Larry Olam from yeah, World. That's one of, he's yeah, one of that's, my top ones. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's someone I remember because he never came off the ice. Right. Yeah, well, he, he, was, he can do that in the state tournament. Yeah. I mean, as long as you don't go 100%, you're a forward, you can't go and go and go and go and do that. Olam would play so strategic. He would sit back and just... When it's time for him to go, he'd go, and mm-hmm. he dominated. He did dominate. Yeah, he was an was outstanding great. player. I think he doesn't get talked about enough, right? Personally, in, yeah. in the annals. So, yeah, he was someone I, I definitely remember from being a kid. See, I liked uh, I liked Olam. I liked Ken Jernander from Oh sure Greenway. Uh, yep, Greenway Coleraine. I liked George Palawa. Yep, from yeah. Bemidji. Rest in peace. Yeah. Oh, I met him two weeks before that accident. Oh too. no! God, he was a such a good dude. Six four two forty, first round pick of the Flames. At high school, I'm like, and that was pre the monsters we got these days, right? Right. Yeah, he was big and he could move. He was, he was, he was the full package. Yeah. So those guys, I think you, you, when you're at the age where you're kind of influential on certain players, Mm -hmm. those are the guys you remember forever. Right. What are you, Tommy? How about you? Well, you know me, I'm a diehard Gopher hockey nut. So Crowley, Bonin, Bonin. I think both those guys were similar to my age too, and Wheeler. Yeah. Um, do you know Crowley had, um, I looked it up, three titles. I mean, that was, you're right, part of the dynasty, but I didn't know he, he won three in a row. That's in the high school league, their infinite wisdom left him off the 75th team that of, of the oh greats. It's like, At and Jefferson they left Phil Housley off too. Jefferson High School? No, they, they for the 75th oh, tournament, okay. they brought out the six players, you know, one, the, like you'd line up for a game, three forwards, two D, and a goalie. No Crowley on D, no Phil Housley on D. Oh. It's like, what the heck are you guys doing? He's one of the greatest Americans ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, he had, and he had a good high school career. I mean, he went to at least one, if not two tournaments, did Phil. And so he, he checked that box. And I, yeah, it's, I, they didn't ask me about it, that's for sure. I always think it's funny when it, you, you talk about that Jefferson dynasty and mm-hmm. Mark Parrish played third line for the Jaguars back then. Initially, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He <laughs> came into his own later, but yeah, for the he, he had to to learn behind. You know, he wore twenty one because of Nick Checo, because uh, oh. he he was so enamored with not just the player that Checo was, but the person he was. He was said he was the upperclassman that would drive you to Burger King or wherever you know after practice, and he just thought, I want to be that cool when I am older and and can set that example for the younger guys. That's part of the reason why yeah they were talented as all get out but that team those teams really 
had a nice, uh, really good bond uh, amongst them. It wasn't, you didn't have to come, pay, well, Crowley had to pay his dues. <laughs> we t I talk about that in the 94 chapter. He said, I, I used to get a swirly every day. I was going to say, did he play behind Treble or uh, was it Treble a Jefferson kid? Yeah, yeah. he was a, tre he was a he, Treble was a was, senior on the 92 team. Yeah, okay. And so uh, Crowley would have been probably a sophomore. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't really treble. Close. It was a different it was a different <laughs> yeah. former captain that used to he said I just got to the point where I'd walk to the toilet and just you know, you didn't have to carry me at that. <laughs> so, so I thought, funny. well, I guess you needed a little humbling, but yeah, he said, I said, well, I said, you, you let him do that? You can't fight back? And he goes, well, it was a clean toilet. Was <laughs> Somehow clean that made it better. All right. <laughs> it was the but the, But you, those are the things when you hear that in the interviews, I'm like, that's going in the book. Yeah. Wow. You know, that's, you know, the story about the referee. That's going in the book. That's what you wanted. I don't care who scores off the forehand or the backhand. And Lauren was the same way. We, we really said, let's make it about the storytelling. Why do we interview all these people if we aren't going to get – that color in the book because let's play hockey did have a book out that was uh 1945 the first year of the tournament through 2000 and it was it was it what it offered it had all the box scores of all the tournament games and it had all the rosters of all the tournament qualifying teams so a great resource but then when you got to a, the something on john mayasich it was like half a page long and it wasn't any interviews you know doug woog same thing and i thought we can do better and we can bring more of the color. I mean, that's what it's all about anyway. So that's, that, that was more of the influence of why we want to do this, this book in this fashion. Oh, it sounds like it's going to be great. Well, Henry, Henry Boucher, uh, Boucher? Boucher. yeah, Boucher. He, I met him, uh, two years ago at the old Johnson barn. Uh, he was there where, where our kids were playing war road and okay. he was there and okay. I was like, Oh my gosh. And got up pictures with the kids and, yeah, also a living legend, right? And a first-class yeah. individual. Yeah. Absolutely first-class, yeah. So what do you think about the uh, the setup for the state tournaments these days? Is there ever a possibility that they go to 32 teams and just put combine them all again? I don't think there is. I, I, the high school league, they want to do for one what they they're do for all, what they would do for one. With the exception, of course, when they went to seven classes in football, that's the class 6A is the big school class, and that is 32 teams. And I thought, I wonder if that's going to kick the door open to a format like you're talking about. But it hasn't, and there's just a resistance to it. And it's unfortunate because I think there, there could, it'd, be, it'd be a model worth trying at least. I mean, what, what, could, what could the worst be? Because, yeah, it would be, it would be fun to see some of these matchups you know, play out a little bit differently and, and, and so on. But I, I don't know that you're going to be able to get that done, you know, and if it's, if it's an argument of, well, this section is too strong and this one's a little bit weaker, you name the sport and you can, we can name sections that have that same dilemma. Absolutely. And so yeah, I don't know if they'll change it or, or not, but I think it'd have to be a, a complete shift of the entire philosophy for all the sports. And I don't know if they're really, really ready or willing to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, they can't, well, yeah, they, it's a, it's, we have a, a great system and, um, you get, I mean, just look at how successful it is. And yeah. these kids are put on a pedestal and it's awesome. And to see them shine and get both classes that are, um, really fun to watch. You know, you got, I mean, I remember taking off of school to watch it. I had kids taking off of school yeah. to watch it. We got Cooper Howe taking off of school to watch it, um, <laughs> So it, it's fun. Um, what about where the games are played? Because that, that's something that are the set. Well, I'm talking about the section games yeah. because you've got 
a lot going on there. You've got a lot of different um, venues. You're selling out these venues in a, in an instant. Right. Um, you got section four AA, who's the only section that doesn't play at a neutral site. They play all their games at Aldrich. Not only the championship game, all their games at Aldrich, which seems doesn't seem right to me. Um, why not just host it all at Mariucci and go like, all right, um, neutral site or not even neutral site, maybe the um, higher seed hosts the semifinals and quarterfinals, and then we're gonna do a big old blowout for the championship games and two nights at Mariucci and tell me you wouldn't get ten thousand people there to watch that. Well, I've seen a few of those here in the, in the last several years since I've been concentrating on hockey for the Star Tribune. And I'll say that there's there's actually quite a few flaws with Mariucci. Now, it's going to change, but up until now, it's been the Olympic sheet. So now you go from predominantly playing the, the NHL-sized smaller sheet to all of a sudden the most important game of the season is on a rink sur surface and you haven't experienced yet. So that's not ideal. Even the, even the good skating teams will tell you that's not ideal. Parking isn't great over there <clears throat> excuse me ever particularly ever since they built the uh, uh what is the what bank is Football the name stadium. of the stadium now <laughs> huntington huntington <laughs> it's been 10 minutes yeah, have they changed it to yeah. something yeah huntington well, it's yeah. called uh, the bank the bank yes <laughs> yes that part we can at least you know right. uh, fall back on so you've got the parking issue and then as silly as it sounds because hockey people will travel all over hell's half acres for youth tournaments they don't want to bring the East Metro, they, they don't have a desire to travel over to Minneapolis. Like it's South Dakota or something. It's like, it's not that far, but they don't, there's not a desire to come over. They feel that they would lose some of the casual fans in the East Metro, bringing them over to Mariucci. So that's, and it, but you're right. I, w I was just at the section finals at Bloomington Ice Garden, packed to the rafters. Uh, the following night at Braemar, packed to the rafters. My hope is that, the barn that they're building it with the University of St. Thomas, my hope is that alleviates some of this problem. I heard they were going to be moving it there. Do you know how many seats that place has? Is it eight, ten? Uh, I haven't heard the capacity, yeah. no. I haven't heard it either. I, I can't imagine. I mean, Mary, she's 10. I can't imagine it'll be that big. Not, not Probably not right off. But So if you got six to eight in there yeah. and you got a double header going, that that would do well. Yeah. Anyone that would want to get a ticket would could go. Would it sell out? I don't know. Mariucci wasn't always sold out the last few years either, but anybody that wanted to be there could. And you couldn't say that at Big or you couldn't say it at Braemar uh, just last week. So that would be an improvement. Yeah, it's odd that you have to take off work or <laughs> take off school to go stand in line at Mary or at Aldrich to get a ticket or yeah. or jump on jump online and because you know more than half the people that want to go can't go. Yeah, that's um, probably right. Yeah. Uh, and regardless of home ice uh, or not home ice, I just think there's got to be um, a solution out there and a better venue for where more people can watch these kids play because it's you look at how well the tourney does and everybody wants to be a part of it. So we should we should get more people out there to watch these games as long as people love it. So. Well, enough, I can add to it. I think save the problems of Section 7, AA, because that's all at Amsoil. And that's fine. It's not technically Duluth East, Duluth East's rink. But the other a couple of years ago, it was Andover and Elk River in the section final, and they took it up to Amsoil. And I'm, you could have fit the people in the crowd into maybe a, a, a large SUV. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really, really sad, really sad environment for a, a game of that magnitude. The girls this year, I noticed in section 7AA, they, they had two sites ready to go. They're either playing at, at the um, Fogarty Arena in Blaine or at the, um, I think it's... Uh, Proctor, the arena in Proctor. 
And I thought, well, that makes sense. Then when uh, Grand Rapids Greenway, the girls, they qualified for the section final, they Andover had to go north. But that that at least makes more sense than just sending two teams that far north for, for a section final like they do with the boys. Yeah, you're going to miss out on all the relatives yeah. and the friends. Yeah. And all so have that. options. Right. Have sure. options and have a metro location ready to go if you need it. And if there is a northern entrant, fine. We'll put it at, at Amsoil, whatever. But let's not move to metro schools up there. A neutral site. Yeah, right? and they do the same problem, same problem in section one. That Lakeville has played Lakeville at Rochester forever. I believe Mankato East and West played at Rochester a few years back as well. And that doesn't feel right. Right. So we got a lot of problems. We got a lot of issues. <laughs> the greatest thing in Minnesota is state hockey. Yeah, team, yeah. Right? that's our biggest problem. We got bigger, <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Well, you know, the older you get, you know, you're not going to you're not going to achieve perfection. I always say the best solution is the one that's least flawed, and what we have now is probably the least flawed. So that's 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 something I can say in support of how we do what we do. Well, I don't know if I'll agree with you because I, 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 you know, I just don't think one team should be playing at their home ice. I, when you got like send them, send section four to Braemar and send the Braemar section over to Aldrich. Or then, then you have the attendance problem. I think people will travel twenty five minutes for a game. No, no, I mean you'd have. I mean, not that you wouldn't go. Oh, that I you would have too many people. Sure. You know, so you'd you'd still fill these places up. I mean, yeah. they're bigger, but they're not that big. Right. You still have people left out that wanted to get in. Right. right. For sure. You have another solution too, though, right? I don't know. Do I switch? Take the team that has the home ice there and move them to a different section. Switch Aldrich and or switch uh, Hill and Creighton. Switch Creighton, St. Thomas, Thomas and switch, yeah, Hill. Any of them. Yeah. This not a home ice advantage for sure. Uh yeah. Um, any more moments that you're uh, that you're contemplating? The other while you're thinking about it, what's your favorite high school hockey jersey? That one, yeah, that one's easy because I'm a big Halloween guy. So, so, so guess where Humboldt. I'm going with this? No, no, Humboldt. I, I don't. Spuds? I, They're black and orange, aren't they? They are black and orange, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. I did, I did was kind of pulling for them, not because nothing against Edina, but I, that would have been a fun story to see Moorhead playing in the in the semifinals. But alas, it, it didn't happen. Um, you got to go back a little ways. The, the Halloween machine of in the 1970s when they really hit their stride, Grand Rapids. Oh, Grand Rapids. That's my yeah. favorite jersey. You That's know. old school, too. That's an yeah, old school yeah, well, looking jersey. They, they got here, I think, in 2000. Well, they certainly they won it in 2016. But then they made a tournament appearance sometime before that with, I think, Patrick White was part of that team. Yeah, they were good. And they went with the retro jerseys that year. So that, that solidified... I'm watching that game and I'm going, oh yeah, that that's awesome. That so that that's that solidified that that jersey is my favorite. What uh, do you, the Jaguars gotta be? I mean, the one of the top ones. Pretty right? classic. That, it's pretty classic. It's pretty memorable. Yeah. Yep. Now Powder see blue. that'll get you stomped in in the wrong neighborhood <laughs> to call it baby blue. They I forget what they they called it instead, like Powder imperial blue? or something. Huh? Oh, imperial! I was saying powder blue, but that no, might be worse. No, it had a much more highfalutin sounding yeah. name, uh, okay. something you know, or tough. Yeah. yeah, or not even tough, just important sounding. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so I don't remember exactly. Yeah, powder blue. That that'll that'll be. Don't, don't Tom Satterdall no one isn't going to want to hear that. Satterdall. All right. Well, you're looking up one more great story. Um, let's talk real quick about Willie Anderson Insurance because uh, uh, Willie Anderson is going to start sponsoring the pod, and we're really grateful for that. Um, and what's great about Will Anderson Insurance is he is there for you morning, noon, or night. He's there to answer your phone. 
uh, phone calls. Um, he's always ready for you. He's not a big conglomerate. You're not going to go through uh, on on hold messages. He's going to pick up that phone when you need him because when you need an insurance agent, um, you need him like now. And that's Willie Anderson. Um, he is best for home, uh, auto, commercial, you name it. Um, he's there for you. Um, just give him a call at 612-361-7283 for a quote. Or you can just visit willandersonagency.com. And that's Willie Anderson. He's the best. Um, he's with American Family Insurance. Um, and he's the guy to call. So thanks, Will Anderson, for sponsoring the podcast. And can't wait to send some folks your way to help you out. All right. Any more stories that are... Uh, that yeah, that are memorable for you. Are there any this year, Cooper? You ever heard any stories this year that are uh, that everybody's talking about here at the uh, besides Brady Bork with his proposal, his prom proposal? Wasn't that the great? Prom yeah. pro proposal was. Although I'm, like I'm a little, I'm, I'm anticipating the worst because it seems to, these things seem to always happen this way. There was a teaser to a tweet I saw from somebody involved with Channel Five Television News saying like a follow-up on that story. And, and then the t thing was, and why it may never happen again. I thought, Oh, don't tell me they're going to try to if, do something to, you know, it's like, why would you mess with that? It was great. I, I can't imagine it's going to be, you know, what's the harm? You know, well, I think last year, remember last year though, when the kid from Hill skated up and he says, you know, pioneer landscaping. So they're kind of getting oh. free. Now yeah. you've had two kids do it this year too, I think. Oh, One kid they? from Northfield did it today. He talked about his a landscaping company. Okay. Oh. And Jude Bonin just did it too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I think there they're, they're probably going to have some delay because I know because uh. I know the family because they're from Laverne and he got some grief from it from oh. KSTP or Channel 5. I think so. it's funny. As I do. Shame on those man. TV stations. I mean, how, right. How that's, about, that's good stuff. How about the kid's haircut that he <laughs> shaved the top of his head? Yeah. He looked like Bozo the Clown. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. Yeah, like, like a monk. <laughs> they usually have the yeah, hair like around the side. Shaolin yeah. monk. Yeah, uh, that was funny. Yeah, they... Yeah, just very quickly, as far as the book goes, one of the things that we probably don't talk about enough in the toward the back of the book when all the chapters have come and gone is all these top 10 lists. And they go from th some of the things we've talked about, greatest games, the coaches, uh, championship game performances like Bessie's. Uh, we talk a little bit about um, there are some nicknames that are a lot of fun. Uh, you can read about the Cotton Rockets and and the Pony Line. And, and you know, the, the, we talked about Palawa. He's, he's our yeah. best big man. And the, the best, the little big men, Carl Gehring is on there. And, and then we have like things like are outside of, of the tournament, but are bi a big time part of the fabric. We had celebrity sightings, uh, which included uh, to uh, Tom Hanks. Really? You can believe that. Yeah. In fact, he was our number one celebrity sighting. Wow. Howard Cosell, Cheryl Teague. I mean, it's just, it's just a fascinating collection of people that, because, you know, when, when it was, uh, I, I forget who had the tournament, but when, when, uh, ABC took it over in Channel 5. They were trying to promote the having the tournament by bringing a lot of these stars in to to be to see and be seen at the tournament. And and that's what, why a lot of them came when they did. In fact, one of these, we got a picture of Cheryl Teague sitting rinkside. That's why we didn't win in sections because uh, Cheryl Teague's was there. <laughs> I couldn't focus on anything. There she is. <laughs> yeah, your game. There she is. Oh, Jesus. She's a Minnesota native. I didn't know that. Yeah, but yeah, there she is sitting in the 79 so you're tournament. you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lot of the fun and color and, and nice little bite-sized chunks for people to go back and go, oh, wow, look at this. I didn't know that. So 
that's that's a, another aspect of the book that's a lot of fun. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Love well, it. appreciate you coming on. It was a pleasure to meet you, and uh, good luck with the book. I can't uh, can't wait to read it myself. Yeah, thank you. On behalf of Lauren Nelson, my co-author, who worked his tail off as, as equally as I did, uh, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, and, and thank you for for all you do to support high school hockey. Awesome. Yeah, it's the best. Thanks for uh, coming along, David. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you can hear us on all your uh, major uh, platforms, your podcast platforms, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Apple. And uh, like we say, you know, go through life, do the right things, be a good person, try to help, don't hurt. And most of all, don't be a dick. Yesterday.